Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. Today we'll be talking about bully coaches and what they can do to the psyche of a high school player, no matter how talented that player is. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Courtside Culture. Be sure to check out these other coaching-focused podcasts on the Hoopheads Pod Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Also, be sure to check out our team-focused NBA podcasts, Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, Knuck If You Buck, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. I'm Dave Grinzinski, and today we're talking to the head coach, of the girls' varsity basketball team at North Ridgeville High School in North Ridgeville, Ohio, and the director of North Ridgeville's Champions for Life program, Amy Esser. Coach Esser, thank you for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. Uh, excited to be here. Be here. Thank you for having me. So, Coach, the reason I wanted to have you on this podcast is because what your team accomplished this season was astonishing, and it was built on the foundation of a great team culture. In addition to dealing with COVID, Coach Esser only had two seniors on her roster. She lost one of her best players before the season even started. The coronavirus cost her her all-district point guard for five games, and a significant amount of minutes were going to freshmen and sophomores. But that did not stop her from leading her team to the district finals where the Lady Rangers only lost by one point. And Amy Esser, my first question for you is, how did you do that? Wow. You know, it's funny. I, I, I sit back and I, and I think about that tournament run, I would say, on a daily basis. Uh, you know, it's been a little over a week now. And I'm just amazed by what our girls were able to do in that space. I, I get excited talking about it. I also get like emotional because they were able to put something together and create history. We have never been to the district finals ever in North Ridgeville for girls basketball. So, you know, I think for them, it was a culmination of everything that they had been through that year. And I also think it was a part that they didn't know any better. They had never been in that position before. They knew that there was no pressure to win. They were the underdogs. Nobody expected them to do it. And they could go out there with this nothing to lose attitude. And so that's where we kind of became that team, that team that you just didn't know what you were going to get. We were kind of like that all year, but the fact that they just put it together, you know, when they did, I mean, it was just a remarkable accomplishment. And I'll be honest, it was all them. It was all the girls coming together, doing it for each other, we were just a background noise, to be honest with you. Well, I'm not going to let you off that easy because I always <laughs> say that it, it starts at the top. And so I, I wanted to I, I want you to take us back to the beginning of the season. OK, everybody was distracted by by COVID and whether or not there was going to be a season. But 
So where was your team culture at at that point, at the beginning of the season? I thought our summer went really well. Our fall went really well. I think we were really excited just to be in the gym, to be around each other. The girls, you know, were really excited to just be with their friends. I mean, I think that's the aspect people forget about is it was mentally tough for these girls to go through about six months of not having a normal life, not having to be able, you know, not being able to go out and hang out with their friends and be locked in a house. And I give them a lot of credit because they handled it with a lot of class and they, and they handled it, you know, and they challenged themselves to kind of think outside the box and do workouts on their own. I mean, I dropped off basketballs and jump ropes and ladders and whatever else they wanted at each one of their houses. You know, if that's what they wanted, they needed two balls, they needed three balls, whatever they needed, we dropped off at their houses and really it was on them. And then kind of coming into the year, you know, we were really excited. You know, we were really excited about the talent, the young talent, kind of the unknown. And then, you know, a week before the season, um, Lainey Romantic, who was our um, returning starting uh, guard, goes down, hurts her knee, find out it's a, you know, an ACL meniscus tear and our hearts just broke. They broke for her. You know, she's coming in to probably want to be one of her, her best years. And, you know, it's just heartbreaking for her. But our girls basically said, Lady, we got you. We're going to do this for you. We had young kids who were just eager to, to make a statement, to come in and just show them what they got. And it, it was just a great beginning of the year. You know, we, we knew it was going to be special. But coach, the, the fact that you know, the, the girls did the workouts, sure, on their own, but they, they don't get there without you. To have a coach who will voluntarily take these basketballs and things over to to their houses, drop them off to make sure they have what they need. That's what I mean, coach, when I say it starts <laughs> at the top. I mean, I mean, what what propels you to do that? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I just love these kids. I love coaching basketball. I love being in the high school and being around, you know, kids that just love the game of basketball and want to get better. But I think more importantly, like it's not just about basketball for me it's I care about them like as an individual I want to see them succeed I want them to walk in with a smile on their face I care about what's going on at home you know how work was that day and I I I know it's hard sometimes with with certain kids and and things and you're always you're not going to be 100% with every kid and they're not going to react to you you know every time the way you want them to but I think at the end of the day um, I think they know that we love them and that we do care about them. We care about what happens to them. We care about their mental state and we just want what's best for them. And I think that alone gives them something to look forward to. I think it's, it gives them something to buy into that. I'm not just showing up for basketball practice. I'm showing up to, to be their coach, to be whatever they, to be their parent, to be their their friend, to be their, you know, mentor, to be the person that needs to help them with history homework, whatever they need me to be, I try to be that person. Is this something that, I mean, have, have, did you learn over the years that, I mean, you've been at, you've been at Ridgeville a while now and, and with each team, did you teach yourself or did you maybe pick something up 
as as each season ended and said to yourself, okay, I'm going to apply this next season, you know, and you just keep getting a little bit better at it, meaning, you know, keeping the girls together and understanding, you know, and, and caring, you know, the caring for them off the court, all of that stuff, all of the stuff that kind of came together this year. Was this something that, that was, you know, has just been in you or have you been kind of building this over your career? I don't think you can be a good coach or excel even as a person unless you're constantly learning, especially learning from your mistakes and learning from your failures. And I, and I tell the girls, like, you have to fail in order to succeed. And I think that, you know, over the 13 years I've been here, you know, I, I started off, I, I came into a program that if my stats are right, and I remember them, it's been a long time, but they, it, they had won eight games in a total of eight years. And when I took the job, they had only won one game in the two previous seasons. And so I kind of only knew that it, you could only go up from here, right? And my mindset going in was the wrong mindset, to be honest with you. The mindset was, these kids need to win. They need to learn how to win. And so my mentality was, do whatever it takes to win and everything else will fall into place. And I'll be honest, that was the wrong mentality to have because I sacrificed a lot of the things that I think are important after 13 years of coaching to implement. And those types of things are just, you know, letting kids get away with things and discipline things and, you know, you know, focusing on one thing and, and focusing just on basketball. And over the years, you know, I read and I listen and I listen to podcasts and I, I listen to speakers and I, I try to become a better coach and not just a better coach, but a better person and, and constantly learn, you know, how to improve myself. And, and I, I want, I think my focus the last couple of years have, has really been, all right, society's changing, right? And coaching has got to change with the times and kids are different. Kids are different than when I coached in high school, when I played in high school, like it was, you know, drill sergeant and yelling and screaming. And my coach would get in my face and scream me all the time. And I do that to a point sometimes still, but really kids just learn differently nowadays. And you really have to get to know the players and how they're going to react and how to get, you know, the best out of them. And so the last couple of years, just, me learning and educating myself, like I've really kind of changed a lot of what I've done and turned into more of a positive culture mindset. And we're starting to see the rep, you know, what's become of that, you know, and I think the kids are buying into that. And I think it's a society thing too. I think it's, it's, that's what the society needs. These kids need positivity, but they also need discipline as well. So it's a combination of both, you know, I think, there's a lot of things that I've changed over the years, but you, I think you would agree. Like, I think it, you constantly have to learn and grow as you get older, you know? Well, you're absolutely right. And I do 100% agree with you. And you just proven to me why you were the perfect guest for this podcast, because, you know, th that's exactly, you know, what I saw over the course of your season, like it, it really wasn't about the wins. I mean, the regular season, you guys, you know, you were okay, but it was that culture that you created that really propelled this team at the end of the year. And and let me ask you this, as you look back, is there any one thing that, you know, that you change that you look back and you just cringe and you say, oh man, I can't believe I, I used to do that or I did that. I think just for me, it was the, 
the discipline factor, like I would say I was kind of a jerk when I first started coaching. <laughs> I'm not, because that's all I knew. Like I went off of how I was coached, right? And it was my way or the highway and I wasn't going to bend and this is how I was going to coach and I wasn't going to change. And so again, I, I let kids get away with certain things and I did kind of whatever it took to win games. And we did that. We won my third year, we won 15 games. And we had the best record, I think, ever in Ridgeville history. But it didn't stick. And then I had to sit back and I go, okay, why isn't this sticking? What's going on? Now, and and things kind of were in a in a in a flux, you know, like what can we do differently? And that's kind of where my mindset started to change. And I started to look back and go, okay, what could I have done differently? You know, and I think that was partly me being a 23-year-old young coach, you know, inexperienced kind of learning on on the on the on the job. And, you know, I, I think we also, you know, have been growing as a community as well. I think that's part of it. And getting down into the younger, younger groups and whatnot, you're starting to see kind of the benefits of us getting down into the youth programs and things like that, too. So I think it's a combination. But if there's one thing I would say is just how I started out coaching and that mentality and how, it's, how completely different I am now. Well, one of the things that tipped me off to the fact that I, I thought you were doing a lot of things right was when the season was delayed, the conference season was delayed and all the girls were doing was practicing. And, and same with the boys, all, all you were, you were practicing and practicing and practicing. And then I see how coach Amy Esser from Northridge Hill high school have put together the virtual games with other teams <laughs> from the conference. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that came about and 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 the, the, the effect it had on the psyche of your team? Yeah, you know, I was just, I was at home one day and I was thinking like, this really stinks. Like we have, you know, what, two weeks off and we're going to sit here and practice. And, you know, how can we, I, I think for us, like practice wise, we always try to do competition stuff to create a co competitive culture too. So I was like, how can we implement that, you know, in the conference? So a lot of the coaches in the conference, we're, we all get along really well. I'll, I'll be honest, like we really do. We're all, we're all really good friends. And so I, I call a couple of them and I said, Hey guys, you know, what do you think? And so we just kind of came up with, you know, a three point competition, a free throw competition. And then um, we were like, let's do something fun. So we did this like dance video thing where they, they got a dance off and like, I'll be honest, like we didn't even, um, we didn't even have a winner. Like we were going to like vote and all this other stuff, but then our season ended up starting again. And we were like, you know what? It's not even worth having a winner because it was just fun. And it, it kind of got us away from that oh, practice every day. And it just allowed the girls to have fun in a crappy time. And again, bring that competitive, like nature, you know, and keep that, keep that going. It was, it was really good. Like, the, the teams were like videotaping like the free throws and the, and the three-point competition not to mention too like you're also the girls don't realize it but they're working on free throws and they're working on three-pointers so you know they're shooting so it, there was a an underlying improvement factor too so it was fun I enjoyed it our dance video that was really good I, I, I like that our girls got our families involved because we actually couldn't practice and so all of our girls had to do the video and splice it together at from home and then did you just did you share it virtually? Was is it on YouTube? How did how did each of the teams get to see what the other team was doing? Yeah, so we posted like um, once everybody kind of went against each other, and we had like a leaderboard and whatnot. Then you would have a team that you would have to go against, and so we would post all that on Twitter. All the videos were posted on Twitter, 
So we had lots of likes and shares and, you know, we got a lot of really positive feedback just from teams from like kind of all over the, the area and anybody that followed us, like just a lot of really good positive feedback about just, you know, doing something good in a, a really crappy time. Well, and you know, and it, and it, and it, it kind of cracks me up because it's like, you know, it's these off the court things that, that kind of just create, uh, you know, they're, they're created on their own and they just become something special. And did you feel like at that time, and when you're looking back on it, did it help to to start to to pull the team together a little bit, you know, just at the perfect time at the beginning of the season? I don't I don't know if that was like the factor in that. I think that was part of it. I think that they needed a little bit of fun. Um, I think that's the thing with our team this year that I think was different from a lot of the other years is these kids had fun. Like I come into, I'll be honest, like, you know, there's days in the lat, in the, you know, in, in, in certain years where you're just like, oh, you're dreading it and you, you don't want to fight with kids and you want to like force them to work, you know, like you're, you're constantly sometimes forcing them to work hard. Or, you know, we didn't have to worry about that from day one. We had great leadership. We had kids that just wanted to play basketball. They wanted to get out of their house. You know, they, they wanted to get, you know, into the school and they just had fun every day. Every one of them had a smile on their face. All the coaches, myself included, like I was so excited to go to practice just to mess around and have some fun with the girls and then work hard. And so I think it was that, I think it was that balance. So I don't think that was one particular thing. I just think that these girls were a special group, but I think what they did was they showed what they're capable of. And I think that they gave, I I don't think, I know that they gave all the other kids, the younger kids, the younger grades, something to look forward to. And they're like, wow, that's what it's like. And I think that's kind of where, I think that's where the change is, is really kind of the turning point, really. But coach, again, I'll say it starts at the top. When, when, when they see you organizing the virtual games and you, you know, you're the, the field general in all this, right? You're the, you're the field general of fun, you know, and, and the kids, I think, you know, it starts that buy-in. They decompress and they're like, coach likes to have fun too. We can have fun at practice. I, I, I think you're underestimating the power of, of what you did there. Maybe a little. I, like I said, I, I, I don't, I, I just, it's just not my nature like th- to, to take a lot of credit because I think the credit is, is within the girls. I can set them up. I can kind of give them every tool that I can possibly give them. I'll be honest. Like I kind of throw crap against the wall and if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So like when I read books and I, I talk about like, you know, preaching a, uh, you know, a mental mindset, you know, we had four mindset principles that we, 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 when we embed into their head and they have to memorize, you know, we have like different tools to help them cope with mistakes and, and how to overcome adversity. You know, we teach them how to communicate. We, we, I try all these things, you know, with them. And last year I did a lot of it too. And you know, if it, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, doesn't, then we try something different, you know, whether I get it from a movie or I get it from a podcast or a book, like it's just one of those things where there's so much really, there, there's so many really good things out there that what's the harm in trying different things. If it helps, if it helps them in, you know, one kid or two kids, you know? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you something and we're, we're you know, we're going to get to the basketball part of this, but I, I just think that, that all of the things that were going on around this team 
is is really i mean it, it pushed this team together and and was the glue i was i was talking to one of the one of the moms of one of the girls and um you know and and the season came up and sh- and she was like oh my gosh like like they would get shirts and they and they they did this and they would get the drinks before the game and they did and, oh yeah that's right and they almost won the district championship like the basketball part of it was at the end of the sentence for mom it was all of the other things that were going on. So as the season started, can you talk about some of the other things that happened? Because even even talking to some of the girls, like they loved the whole like the whole uh, smoothie thing before the game <laughs> that you were doing. Talk about some of those other things that 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 just you know it was it were it was those you know off the court things that just built this culture. Though, listen, our, my girls are very spoiled. So let's make that very clear. Um, we try to shower them with love and things and make them happy. So no, they are spoiled. So they are, they love um, Ridgeville Nutrition, which is a like smoothie, um, uh, like tea place. And the tea is like, a, it's kind of like a Gatorade or like an energy booster. So what we do is a lot of the home games and even the away games and all throughout the tournament run, uh, we would get them the tees. Um, and so that was like their thing. And I remember, it's really funny. I remember one game, I think it was the Illyria, uh, our first playoff game, we had vaccinations out in front of our, uh, by our parking lot. And so the whole street was closed down. And so the only access to get to nutrition was me driving my Jeep. I have a Jeep Wrangler on the football uh, practice football field. By the way, it was frozen. So there was no marks. I had to drive it to the other side. Then I had to walk by uh, about 100 yards or so all the way to nutrition with my assistant coach in 20 degree weather and carry teas back for my girls because they needed their teas to win the game. And you know what? If it's a mental thing and they need their teams to win a game or to play well, I guess that's what they're going to get. So, you know, it's it's all the little things, I think. You know, it's the T-shirts that say that team or it's, you know, we had a, a, movie, a movie day. I know it's COVID, but we found a way to use our entire community room. The girls brought blankets. Um, the Holman sponsored uh, breakfast and had individual meals wrapped. And we watched um, an inspirational movie and the girls all brought their pillows and stuff and they had their little spots on the floor and we watched a movie. Like all those little things, I think, culminate this culture where it's not just about basketball. And I, I may get criticized by certain people for not caring, quote unquote, for winning to win games. Listen, I want to win just as much as the next coach, but I am not going to jeopardize team culture, a positive culture to win a game. You are either on the bus, on our bus, or you're off the bus. And so I think that that was kind of the mentality, especially this year. Everybody was buying in. They all wanted to have fun, you know, whether it was going to get food or going to get their teas or, you know, having a dance party before games, which is what they did before our tournament games. Whatever it took, we did. And Honestly, at the end of the day, these these girls just had fun, and they were and they were you know, and it they were just fun to be around. And I think when you have a positive culture, when everybody buys in, all those things kind of just come together. You just and, enjoy the ride, and you're absolutely right because you could you could definitely see that buy in transfer from hey, coach likes that we like to have fun coach likes to have fun we're all in this together it definitely transferred from 
the the sideline to the basketball court. And let's talk now about the season and 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 how it came together because you started off hot and then you know it, things you know you you cooled off a little bit in the middle of the year. You you lose your point guard to COVID, um, you know, and so a couple other injuries along the way. But what impressed me the most about you, Coach Esser, is the fact that like you didn't bat an eye. You trusted every single girl that you either pulled off the bench or pulled up from JV, uh, pull a freshman up from JV when you lose your all-district point guard and in a heartbeat, she's your backup point guard. But you show as much confidence in her as you do your all-district players. I could see it. Everybody can see it. But you know who sees it? The kids see it. They feel it. They buy in. And it's because of you and the confidence you show in them. That's the sense that I got. Is that the sense Coach Esser got? <laughs> well, I, I think you – so uh, we have these four mindset principles. And the third, the third mindset principle is have no fear of losing and making mistakes, right? And number four is never give up. So the thing is, it's really hard to tell a kid it's okay to make a mistake, Right. And for them to really believe that. And it's hard as a coach to, you know, sometimes see mistake after mistake and, you know, growing pains and things like that. And, and still, you know, keep pressing on. It's okay. Go to the next play. Keep going to the next play. But you really, with the team that we had, you don't really have that choice. You have to let them learn. You have to let them experience failure. Um, and I'll be honest, like, I've never had a team that has had this much talent, natural talent, top down. So I think that's also a part of it. So when you're looking at kids who are coming up from JV or kids that are coming off the bench who may have, you know, didn't play, you know, 20 minutes the game before, but because of the situation has to play 20 minutes this game and maybe 10 minutes the next game, you just have to kind of go with the flow sometimes and and take what they give you, right? So I think, see, I'm the point guard that, you know, I, I, I rely a lot on my point guards to be the coaches on the court. So when our young point guards, you know, have to be put in that position, they know how to handle that in a lot of ways because they're sitting next to Dalen and they're learning from Dalen. They're, you know, practicing alongside of Dalen. And, and, and someone like Dalen is showing them how to do her job. So that in case she's gone for five games, they know how to do it. And so I think that's part of it. I think that that the upperclassman who had the experience was able to bring those other kids along. And it wasn't a competition thing. It's, you know, it's a team thing. So, you know, Dalen wasn't losing anything by teaching our other guards, you know, how to handle the ball at the end of a game, how to handle pressure, you know, the mental aspect of it. So those are just a few examples. But on all honesty, like, I was pleasantly surprised when we brought our JV point guard up and she was awesome to a point where we couldn't put her back down on JV. And we actually had a little, little, little uh, note. We had our postseason meetings today where we talk about, talk to all the girls about improvements and stuff. And we actually had Brooke Lyman today. And we were talking about the end of the Strongsville game. And I, and I brought something up to her that she never really thought about. And I think that this is important. You know, she thought about the mistakes that she may have made at the end of the game and the finish of the game. 
And I, I told her, I said, did you ever think about the fact that you're a freshman, your journey to get to varsity and however it ended up, whether it was because of an injury or foul trouble, you finished a district championship game on the floor. And she kind of looked at me and I go, you had to play the last two minutes of the game. You were on the floor, a freshman that started JV, that worked her way to varsity and ended her, her season on a varsity floor in a district championship game that has never happened before in school history. And she kind of sat back and I think was like, oh, yeah, you're right, coach. And I think her mindset changed right then and there. So away from the negative into the positive part of it, right? So, And that's exactly it, coach, the positive psychology. And that's why I am such a big fan of it. And instead of focusing on the weakness, you – coach up the strength and that's what you did with this whole team you could as the team went along and truth be told folks so because of covid the gyms were were empty Uh, you know the 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 crowds were small the the, each player were only allowed to have uh a couple of uh of family members at each game hey hoop heads we all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Live streams were allowed here in Ohio. And so so when the when the decision was made to do live streams, I actually did the play by play. I did the play by play for the girls and the boys. And so I got to see this happen. And 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 honestly, Amy, I got to tell you, it's fueled me to when I, you know, when I was able to uh, when I found Hoopheads and, and the podcast network, like I, I, I'm like, boy, I would love to do a podcast to, to just, you know, to talk about positive psychology and coaching kids strengths and taking all of their strengths and putting them together to create a culture that creates wins and, and get off of the whole the, the, the negative of, you know, that that happens and trying to cor- correct mistakes, which you do. I mean, I get it, but it's like, you know, but it's just a different mindset. And you just right there. Is that's a perfect example of of what we're talking about, and the big part of this, which you know, was my next question, is is the communication, and you know, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Like, how do you communicate the role of each of your players? How do you communicate with you? Do you tell them flat out, "This is what I need you to do," and there's you know, there's there's no doubt in their mind what their role is on their team. I think I think so. I think so. We do. Um, we did preseason meetings, kind of to wrap up, like you know how the summer went, the off season went. So they kind of know going into the season, like where we see them, like what their expectations are, what the what what's the good things that you really do well. You know, what are the what are the things you do really well? You know, where are the things you got to focus on? Um, and so I do think that they do have a, a clear role. I think that there are some their roles sometimes change throughout the year and we try to communicate that best. I think this year was 
we we added um you know coach Bansick to the coaching staff this year um you know and our other coaches are amazing, uh, you know, Coach Fortney and Coach Weimer and Coach um, Mariner. And what's really nice is when a girl comes off the floor, that someone's talking to them. And so, you know, whether it's Coach Bansick or Coach Bree, like Coach Bree usually tackles the um, post players and, and, and whatnot. And then with Lainey being on the bench too, like she was able to kind of have a voice for the guards. So they're constantly getting feedback. Hey, you know, you did this, try this. Um, and so we're constantly talking to them throughout the season. You know, we do, like I said, we just did postseason meetings for the last two days. And we, we tell, tell, you know, what, what went well this season, what they need to improve on. So we try to have a very open policy on, you know, what's expected. And, and I think sometimes it's really hard, especially for this generation, for kids to talk to coaches and to feel comfortable, you know, having a hard conversation like, you know, what do I got to do to get more playing time? Or what am I not doing right? Why am I not playing as much? Or, you know, why am I not on varsity? And those are really tough conversations to have with an adult. So my point to a lot of that is like, they need to have those conversations in life. You got to have conversations with teachers, you know, when you're going, your, your, your boss. And so that's just a life lesson for them. So I really try to create an atmosphere where they can have a conversation. If it's not just with me, maybe it's with a different coach or whatever that is. I think that's important. But um, I think communication throughout, if, as long as, it, you know, it's you always got to throw in a lot of positives because for every one criticism or negative, I would say negative because it's not negative. It's, it's um, you know. It's constructive. Constructive. Const- that's yeah, the word. Yeah. Yes. Constructive criticism. I think you got to implement those positives as well. And I 100% agree. And, and, and in, in the, when, when the hoop heads, uh, folks, when Mike Klinzig asked me, you know, to, to kind of put together a summary for the show, one of the lines I put in the summary of the show is like the psyche of a, of a 15, 16, 17 year old kid is very fragile. And so the, the one of the things that, that I think is critical for coaches. And I, and I think it is as I, you know, I coached youth sports, you know, all, you know, all the way up. And I was always very mindful. Like if, if a kid is going to come up to you and ask you a question, like ask you one of those tough questions, I think it's on the coach to, to really make sure they respond appropriately. Because if, if you don't, the kid's never coming back to you again and his, and his confidence will be crushed. And it's, it is such a critical, it could be, it could be a 30 second, it could be, it could be a 10 second conversation, but it could be so critical to that kid because they are so fragile. And to hear you say that is so, so refreshing because to me, the, the communication between the coach and the kids these days, and I agree with you, they, they, you know, they're on their phones. They don't, you know, they don't talk to their phones, you know, uh, let alone people. So when, when they finally muster the strength to, to go up and ask that question, I think it's very, it's just critical for the coach to respond appropriately. I mean, how do you feel about that? Am I, am I, am I, am I out of line saying that? No, I, I don't think so. I think that it's – so here's the thing. I think that there's a lot of different aspects that go into, you know, those questions and what to ask. I think a player coming and saying, well, why am I not playing? I think sometimes – like that's the number one thing where I kind of – am I looking like, 
Why am I not playing in a game? Well, we, we flat out tell them, you have to earn your playing time, right? And so how do you earn that playing time? And, you know, we'll give them examples. And I think sometimes with high school sports, what gets lost, ex- I, again, especially I think that's changed over time, is everybody expects to play. Listen, I'm on the team. I should play. And that just isn't the case all the time. And so your role may be a bench player. Your role may just be, hey, we need you to, to jump in there if this kid gets hurt or this kid gets in foul trouble. And so roles are different. And not every kid can really accept that role. And I'll be honest. And, and because I, I, I think I'm actually going to ask you a question, I, I think, that I don't know if you're going to expect this, but because, you know, you're a parent, right? You're a parent of athletes. So, you know... I think the parent aspect is also really important and, and what happens at home and how the parents are reacting at home. Cause I always tell parents, you know, you're not at practice. You don't see what goes on. I'm with your kid more than you. <laughs> right. And you know, you, there's all these different components that people just don't realize. And I also, again, think sometimes it gets forgotten that this is varsity basketball. Not everyone will get to play. Not everyone will make the varsity team, right? And so that mindset and that role player mindset, if you don't have a good role player mindset, you're going to really struggle. And so you have to be open to it. You have to understand your role. That's why I think communication is really important. Um, But, you know, I think the parent aspect as well is really tough too, because I think a lot of parents, you know, uh, how am I going to put that? I don't know what these kids go home to right? As a coach. So I don't know if after a game they go home and they get screamed at because they didn't play well or because they missed shots. And so I always take that into a factor as well as a coach, because I always say, let, let me be the, the one who criticizes. Let me be the one who, you know, gives them constructive criticism, tries to make them better. And when they get home, like be the positive one, build them back up, you know, you know, be positive with them. Cause I think it's a collective thing. I think the coaches, I think the players, and I think the parents all play three critical roles in the development of each of their players, right. Of these kids. I think the kids, they need to have backbone. They need to, to learn how to take criticism. They need to learn that they're not always going to get a medal. They're not always going to get a pat on the back. They're not always going to get, you know, good job every day, every second of every day. That's just life. And I think the coaches, you know, they can't always be positive, right? You know, they can push to be great, but I also think parents too. I think it's a threefold. And I think when you get all three of those working and clicking together, I think those kids are so much better for it. And they're going to learn how to be successful humans, successful citizens in this world, right? I 100% agree, Coach Esther. And my line for my kids is always, you got to talk to the coach. You got to talk to the coach. And, And I will tell you that, what what happened with your team this year is exactly that. You had all three facets bought in. Everybody was bought in. And and it was very clear, at least to me, what everybody's role on the team was. And again, I have to credit you because you had to make that clear. But I will also say, Coach, that like you used your entire team. I know you said, you know, hey, maybe not everybody's going to play. But with this team and what you were doing, I mean, you were running girls in and out. 
you know, the whole game, sometimes three, four at a time, you know? Um, and even if it's just for a few minutes here, a few minutes there, like these kids were bought in because they knew what their role was. And again, I'll say it, it started at the top with you. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that was what we were striving for. Obviously this year was a little bit different too in, we had a lot of different players with a lot of different talents and a lot of different needs. So, you know, at the end of games, if it was a close game, we went more guard heavy, right? Or we needed rebounds. We went with, with someone we needed, re- you know, we needed more rebounds or we went bigger. It, you know, it just kind of depended on what game it was too. You know, if we needed a defensive stop, this kid had to go in. So I think that's really important. And listen, you know, you don't, you don't get to hear – some of the times the, 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 the things behind closed doors, obviously, or what coaches go through and the, the, the scrutiny or the criticism, and that's all fine. Everybody, you're not going to make everybody happy as a coach. I get that. And the only thing that I, you know, you know, put, you know the only thing I can, I can stick with is I am going to continue to be, I'm going to continue to be me. I'm going to continue to coach how I feel like I need to coach to get the best out of my players. So. Whether there is negativity at home, there's negativity with your friends, negativity with, you know, other people from other schools, I can't control that. The number one thing I tell my girls is to control the controllables, right? They can't control their playing time because I determine if they play or not, right? They can't determine, you know, they can't control the refs. They can't control what happens in the stands. They can't control you know, all these other facets, but they can control what they do when they're on the court. They can control their attitude, their effort, how hard they work, what kind of teammate they are, if they're coachable. They can control all those things. So everything else is just white noise. So that's the thing that they need to learn is control the controllables. Everything else is out of your control. So you can't do anything about that. All you can do is worry about what you can do. And and I think that that is, a, I probably should have mentioned that earlier, but that's the one thing that I harp on all the time, right? Control the controllables. And, and that's, I think, what I think helped them buy in a lot too, because that's where you saw the bench and you saw the JV kids and you saw everybody else kind of starting to buy in with, with that positive, you know, control the controllable attitude. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I was going to say. So it's like, you know, we, we talked about it here in the beginning, you know, about all that positivity that that was, you know, surrounding this team. And and that's that's what I mean about a great team culture, because all that positivity surrounds. Yeah, it's not going to be, you know, all, you know, roses and, you know, and cupcakes. It's not always and, positive. You're right. 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 When you have that, you know, it's like a family, right? You know, I mean, right. you're, you're, you know, you get it. You know, you're, you're, you don't love anybody any less when, when your brother's picking on you or upset you or whatever. It's, you know, it's like, it's like, it, it, it's, it is what it is because you're always coming right back to your family. And that's, that's what, I, you know, that's what you create. That's what you've created here, coach. And that's what I'm saying. Like all of the basketball stuff still happens, but when you, when you're surrounded by that positive psychology, that that team culture, it just it it makes all the difference. And 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 like you said, you know, I was focused on winning so much. Now I'm not so focused on winning. I create this great culture, and guess what? You won. Exactly. I think, and I think that's that's kind of like the silver. Your word, right? The silver, the silver lining, right? That's the silver lining. Is 
listen, I'll be the first one to say I've made mistakes along the way. My coaching career, I made mistakes this year. But I think if you can identify those mistakes, you can learn from those mistakes, and you can move on and move forward, I think that that's the, the bottom line, right? That's the silver lining. And, you know, when we started to implement this culture and this positive culture, like, you're right. Not everything's going to be positive all the time. Not everything's going to, like, I still get on them at practice. I'm still getting on the line. You're screwing around. Like, there's still a lot of discipline and it's all those things. It's a balance, right? But I think th- the thing is, and, you know, and we had the last couple of years, there was a lot of kids and parents and people that didn't want to buy in to a positive culture you know, wanted to win or I showed up, I'm a senior, I should play. If you're not working hard, if you're not working for the person next to you, if you're not going to be positive and you're going to be negative all the time, all you're going to do is not be part of the team or you're not going to play, you know? And I think it was really hard for people to change their mindset. It's at the beginning. And now you have this, these, these group of girls that that's all they know. And you got these little baby freshmen and sophomores who know no different. And that's, this is all they know. And look what they're doing. And am I going to sit here and say, you know, we're going to get back to district championships next year. We're going to state. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It is hard. But what I can tell you is we're going to do everything possible to give them that opportunity. And they're just going to have to take it and run with it like they did this year. And I'm going to continue to do what I got to do and what I feel is best. And my, my coaches are going to do what we feel is best. And we may not, you know, people may disagree with us. People may not like what we do, but I think the proof is in the pudding, right? The proof is in what we're, what we're putting out there right now. And I, and I can live with that. Let's talk for a minute about the champions for life and your role and what you seek to accomplish with the champions for life. Yeah. So, uh, so we started champions for life a few years back. Um, you know, we had a lot of support from our athletic administration and then we had some crossover. So we've had about four or five athletic directors since I've started here at North Ridgeville. And so what we did was we pulled together, um, about 10, like top notch student athletes. And I say student athletes cause grades are our are, are number one thing. So academics is always number one, because I think that you have to be a good student in order to be a good athlete and, and vice versa, right? So we pull like our top 10 kids, and that's what we call our leadership council. And then from there, we go and we talk to each of the coaches and we get recommendations on kids that they think that aren't necessarily leaders, per se, but have the ability to be leaders and need to learn the qualities it takes to be really good leaders. And so we have about 50 or 60 so kids in our Champions for Life program. We actually brought in the Educational Leadership Academy um, last year, and they did three conferences with us. Amazing organization. It was absolutely great to have an outside organization come in and work with us. But we actually extended that group to about 100 kids, and they just gave them you know, tools for communication. I mean, think about all of our kids and how they're on their phones and stuff. And now they actually have to sit and talk to people and learn how to communicate. And the simplest of things of eye contact, you know, 
body language, which is huge. A handshake, you know, how to, how to hand, how to do a handshake. What's a proper handshake, you know, and all those tools it takes to make really good leaders. And, you know, we, we had, you know, obviously with COVID this year, it was a real big setback for us and the kids are just devastated, but you're coming in the spring we're going to get it back together. I've already talked to some of the other coaches and we're going to get our list of kids back together and, and do something hopefully at the end of the year. But it, it really is just to create a championship mindset here at North Ridgeville. And we started it, it's getting there. And we have a great set of coaches throughout our entire district to get us and help us, um, you know, help these kids become better leaders. And I think it's about trickling down. So you have, 50 or so representatives from all the different sports. You have the 10 kids who kind of, you know, trickle down to the 50 kids and then the 50 kids that trickle down to everybody else on the team. And now you have a culture, not just in one program, but all the way throughout an entire community, you know, and not just on the court or, you know, on the field, but in the classroom, in the community. And it's just a mindset of how to act, how to be a leader, how to be a respectful person, and just have an attitude of gratitude, to be honest with you. If if a coach came up to you, let's say it's a, if, let's say it's young Amy Yesser, okay, comes up to you tomorrow and says, "Coach, I'm going to coach." What would you tell young Amy Yesser it takes to build a good team culture like what you have accomplished here this season? What would you tell Coach Esser uh, from the past? What it takes? Create a family. Um, create a, a culture based on positivity, uh, feedback, communication, and love, you know, bottom line. Um, you know, I, I love my kids, uh, like they're my family. Like those are, those are my kids. I care about what happens to them on a, you know, a daily basis. I, I care if they break up with their boyfriends or if they got an A on their test or if they got a new job or, or whatnot. And I think that that, passion that I have for them makes me a better person. It makes me a better coach. And it just, it's, it's just one of those things that makes me proud um, to be their coach, that they give me that opportunity. Well, you, I can tell you, you made the whole city of North Ridgeville proud this year with, with what, what you accomplished. And it was just so infectious, uh, even throughout the, throughout the community, the city, the signs, everybody, you know, uh, was behind you and, and coach, it started with you. I just think it shows though, what this community is capable of. Like North Ridgeville has been, I don't live here, but it is my home and it's been a home for 13 years. And I think this was just a sneak peek of what we are capable of for the future. We have such a hardworking blue collar family here at North Ridgeville. I mean, and like you said, top down, our administration, our superintendent, you know, the administrate, you know, our, our administration up there, you know, our mayor, our community members, our leaders, like they are unbelievable. And that's not always been the case top, you know, all the way throughout. I can't say enough about them and, and how much they have helped me grow as, as an educator, as a coach, as a, a person. I think again, like you talk about top down, I'm only where I'm at today because of who I try to surround myself with and the people I look up to. And so I'm just proud to be part of this community. And I am so excited 
of what the future holds, not just for my program, but I love all the programs. The kids know I'm at, I can't wait for softball. I can't wait for track. I can't wait for baseball. Like I love football, soccer. I'll go whatever, you know, tennis. I just think there is something boiling in North Ridgeville and it's about to boil over and spread like wildfire. Well, I'm I'm happy to to hear you say that, and and coach, you know, you mentioned it earlier. So you're you're with you're with your team a lot, right? And I and I, I can imagine, you know, most coaches, you know, their their kids probably don't know everything about their coach, even though you know you're spending a lot of time together. And so what I'm gonna what I want to do on my podcast is, and we've come to this the part of the podcast where uh, we we're we're going to do what I like to call first things last. And so what we're oh, going man. to do is we're going to run down a list. We're going to go a little rapid fire here. Maybe I'll join in. I don't know. Okay. But uh, we, we want to hear Amy Esser's list of firsts. Okay. Because this is the last thing we're going to do on the podcast today. But it's a list of firsts. So first things last, Coach Esser, your first job. Uh, my first job, I worked a concession stand um, at, at a baseball facility in which I ate a lot of nachos and frozen gummy bears and what worms. <laughs> what you're supposed to do. How about first car? I had, well, I, I had two cars. One was a stick. I don't remember what kind it was, but I almost drove the stick shift car into my house and it lasted two days until my dad got me another car that broke down. And then I ended up with a beautiful brand new Pontiac Sunfire because my dad did not trust me with anything else. Oh, good for dad. First pet. Um, I had a cat. Her name was Tiger. Uh, and then I had a dog, Shelby. And now I have a lot of cats. <laughs> All right. Now you got to put your thinking cap on. First record, CD, or cassette that you remember buying? I am buying not old or enough to have a record, by the way. Okay. And just, I, have to, I have to throw it out there just in case. My first uh, I, probably cassette player was New Kids on the Block. Uh-huh. And I, a little, little fun fact is I went to uh, Florida. Like Disney World when I was uh, younger, and I have a video of me lip singing to "Step by Step" by Nuka on the Block, in which the girls have seen. And oh, it's really embarrassing! And I was like eight, <laughs> and I have that's... the game look. I have a mean look on my face the whole time, and I go, "That was my like my playing look. Like that's what I look like as a player." <laughs> hey, you got to put the game face on when it's New Kids on the Block. Hey, now this now, see, so you might have already answered this question. What's the first concert? Ah, I actually went to Garth Brooks. And I was the very top row at Garth Brooks, at the very like all the way up in the bleachers, like uh, the, the the sky, sky zone up there. Wow. Okay, first trip abroad. Have you gone abroad? Oh yeah. Um, well, I I've been to Aruba. Um, uh, was probably my, the one of my favorite trips, but not abroad. This isn't abroad because it's in the United States. But I, I've been to Hawaii like three times, so that's that was one of my favorites as well. That's I was because I was actually going to make that either first trip abroad or out of state. How about first movie in a movie theater? Oh my gosh, um, man, I don't, I don't. Oh, this is Bill and Ted's uh, bogus adventure. I made my grandma take me, and oh, she nice. hated every second of it. And I don't know why I took her to that movie. Well, you know, <laughs> we we do we do things that is when we're so kids. Bad, yeah, and then. <laughs> I think I saw, uh, was it Halloween? Yeah, I saw Halloween when I was uh, young too. And I ended up with my friend and her mom. And I ended up on my friend's mom's lap the entire game or the entire movie because I was crying. I was so scared. 
I don't do scary movies. Mm-mm. That that's funny. Well, it's what, what my dad actually did that to us. He took us to some. It was like humanoids of the deep, some kind. Of, I don't know what he was thinking. Oh my and, goodness! Uh, and then also, but it was it was like a double feature, like Friday the Thirteenth. And at the end of Friday the Thirteenth, when Jason pops out of the water, all of us we all oh. just latched onto my dad, you know. So he paid for it at the end. So same oh, thing. Yeah. Okay, so couple more to go. First celebrity crush. Uh, Joey from Nukas in the Block, duh. Yeah, yeah, of course. What am I thinking? All right, how about this? First cell phone. I had a Nokia, and it was like, had a, like a green cover on it and a little like thing to like hook onto my keys, like my car keys. And I remember one time I locked them in my car at school with the car running, and I live like, like maybe a five minute run. I had to run all the way home and get my extra set of keys with my phone on it, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And my Pontiac Sunfire, my red Pontiac Sunfire. Well, at least it was in a brand new car. How, so, and then here, here's the last one related to the cell phone. So every morning now, when you get up, what is the first app you check every morning? First app I check is probably Bleacher Report. You're a girl after my own heart. <laughs> I, I usually go right to Twitter though, because that's where yeah. I, I try to get my that. News, so. Or I'm, I, yeah, it's it's probably Bleacher Report. Yeah, and my girls make fun of me too because I'm constantly taking pictures of my cat and uh, I'm obsessed with my cat. I'm a cat lady. They they just think I'm weird. So I, we must, there, there's some kind of connection here because I actually posted a picture of our cat today. I, uh, when it, you know, I we're, we're working from home, and when uh, I, I'm sitting down in in our basement, there's a heating pad down here, and she has now claimed the heating pad. She comes down <laughs> here, and and I put it on low for her. She likes to lay in the sun, so I think it's like laying in the sun, except for she's in the basement, and she will lay there for hours on the heating pad. So Aww. this has been going on for weeks, and so finally I took a picture of it today and posted it. So oh, well, I um, missed my cat all day today. Uh, my little baby Dribble is her name, Dribble. Uh, for obvious reasons, she likes to dribble basketballs. Um, I haven't seen her because we've been in school all day, and then we had meetings, and I actually stayed at my parents' last night. So I know she misses me. Well, we are going to get you home to dribbles right now. So Coach Amy Esser, thank you so much for for joining us today and, and just sharing your thoughts and providing your insight. And again, uh, congratulations. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I, I, you, you have been awesome. I, I tell you, your live streams, I, I, watched, I watched my game every night after my games, like I have to go home and watch it, whether it's one o'clock in the morning. And I don't watch our huddle account. I watch you. So like listening to you and, and listen and watching the games with your commentary just makes it so much more enjoyable. And I, and I know that everybody just absolutely loves you. You are the best person around hands wow. down. You are the man. Well, thanks coach. And yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun. You, you provided a, a good product for, for me to watch and describe. And so it, uh, it was a lot of fun. Congratulations. And, uh, we have a lot to build off of going into next year. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. So if you know a coach who's doing great things, winning games and building a great team culture at the same time, I want to hear about them. Hey, we may even ask them to be a feature guest on on the podcast. You can reach out to the show on Twitter at CourtsidePod1, CourtsidePod1 on Twitter, on Facebook at Courtside Culture Podcast, and on Instagram at Courtside Culture Podcast. Once again, I'm Dave Grinzinski, and remember, thank you to Coach Amy Yesa. Remember to build up the good in your players instead of focusing on repairing the bad. 
When you find them all a roll and you take them, you will take them from good to great. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. And remember, build the good in your players instead of focusing on repairing the bad. Find your players a role, each and every one of them, and take them from good to great. We'll see you next time.